0: Hi, I'm Thomas Chia from Aviva Sing Life where I get paid to do web development and not pay to host podcasts. Some may say I was talent-spotted for this podcast but you could say I was enlisted the same way you were for NS.
1: Hi, I'm Steph. I'm a social engagement executive at Aviva Sing Life. I'm here to balance Thomas's dead pan energy. This is...
0: Wake Up Your Idea! the podcast that teaches NS men how to be a woke, non salaried man. Okay, gentlemen, today we have Diane Lo, who is the marketing lead here at Singlife. On LinkedIn, her job description is overseeing a team of three while managing the consumer marketing strategy and budget. But why we're interviewing her today is because she didn't have everything planned out when she entered SMU to study economics and marketing, and yet she turned out all right and even had a great uni experience, which she will share with all you listeners today.
1: Well, I would say Diane turned out more than all right. She is articulate. She is clear. I think she is sharp and she analyzes things like no other. And just a little bit of a backstory, Diane managed to find a job at an established tech firm right off university, Hin Hin. We'll see if, she, if that conversation comes up later on. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name Diane. It's
2: very strange to be introduced in such a flattering manner. Uh...
1: So Diane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us. And if we can, can we backtrack and go back to Diane in university? What was that experience like for you? So I I went into university
2: and chose what I thought was one of the more open degrees. My process up to that point was choose the option that gives you most options because I didn't know what I wanted. So I took economics as an undergraduate degree. I thought it was more substantial, felt more numerate than a general degree like business. And I liked that it was quite data-driven. And university, I think I took it as an exploration opportunity. I think it's quite unique to, or rather quite unique to SMU, where there were a core set of university modules and a lot of flexibility in general modules you could take across the different schools or faculties that were represented there and that allowed me to through the pursuit of different causes understand if uh, what my second specialization or major would be so I think rather than some students who might have planned out their entire university schedule or curriculum or major they wanted to take I took it like a adventure where I evaluated the causes that I thought were interesting and would bid for them
1: it's, it's really interesting, Diane, that uh, you mentioned that you took the university process as like a exploration opportunity. And I think a lot of times people look at it like a slingshot almost. Like if I go into university, how do I expedite what's going to happen for three years after? So could you tell us a little bit more about how do you even perceive university as like an exploration? Who influenced that, that thought process or the way you framed it?
2: Oh. I think one was that I don't think it was very well received. I think some people might have taken a gap year to do what I did in university. So instead of taking a gap year, I just, uh, I perhaps took university, especially my first year of university to explore different disciplines. I knew what I didn't want, but I didn't know what I wanted. I used that time to understand what else was out there and uh, what skills I could pick up along the way.
0: So you mm-hmm. said that you took a very like exploratory approach when you were in university. Can I mm. ask how your parents reacted to this?
2: That's a great question. I would say they were very proactive in guiding me. I thought that doing a major in human resources was like so cool and like so for me. But I don't know. I think my parents were like very against the idea, but they didn't say no. They just be like, why do you want to do that? And I said, oh, it's really cool. We get developed people and like, you know. And I think that's something I'm very passionate about. (laughs) My parents are like, hmm. So uh, I think what they did was they connected me with people that they knew who were doing that at work and asked me to talk to them and figure out what a day in their life was like. To answer your question, I think they they did two things. They gave me advice and they connected me with people who were in the field for me to make that decision for for myself.
1: That's so interesting, not knowing what exactly I wanted at that age, but knowing what you don't want is so certainly like a first step. And my question now is to Thomas. Thomas, what do you study when you were in university?
0: I studied mathematics and philosophy.
1: Give us, give us a, a, a line of wisdom. Not That's all so who interesting. Are lost. All, <laughs> not all who wonder are lost. Okay. Not bad, relevant, quick on your feet. The education has suddenly paid off. I did um, English Lit when I was in university, but I think for me, I was known as a part-time student and like a full-time dancer because that was what I was doing on the side. So um, then the question now I have for Diane, so how did the skills you learned during school or extracurricular activities help you in work today? So I grew up playing competitive tennis and for a brief period of
2: time in secondary school being a... cross-country runner and I think one of the things that I learned or like you had to learn in order to be a good athlete was how to be coached and how to be very real about your like strengths and your weaknesses and how to like take a person's direction for how to like adjust and counter um your weakness and your opponent's weakness. I think later on in life, when I was working, this translated to being very, well, faster at internalizing feedback that i been given. Some of them include the fact that I speak very fast <laughs> and that it would sometimes be hard for people to understand me. But I think that's just like one small thing. There could be other things like how one would structure a presentation or Uh, the way you should approach and do work at the workplace you didn't really have to always be an individual contributor you could uh if you're given a task there are many ways to solve it you could solve it yourself you could ask for help for somebody who has done it before and then like adapt it to the requirements of today you could inspire someone else to do it for you and then like say hey i got it done but with the help of this person there are many ways to to, to get that done and uh, So one definite transferable skill was being able to be coached and not being too precious when (laughs) you're being told that you're doing something inefficiently because like whoever is an expert when they first start working, right? (laughs) We all have to begin somewhere and have to learn. So yeah, I think that's very valuable um, throughout your career, not just when you're starting. Even when you're doing, when you're in university, when you're doing like project work, you definitely have to learn how to work together on a team.
0: Do you find how about you? That the like physical or mental rigor of training for tennis mm. had then positive impact? Like maybe not even necessarily in university, but just you know in your life in general.
2: When I reflect upon it, yes, I think funnily enough, the things that are most natural to you, you do not analyze. I don't know if you find that to be the case, because that's how you live and operate most of the time for things that are natural to you others point out and I've come to realize that these are things that are natural for me. Uh, In particular, cross country is a very mental game because running is all about just endurance, right? Whereas tennis is a lot more like problem solving because every opponent that you play might have different strengths or may have uh, different form on the day in which you're playing against them. Perhaps they have a really amazing forehand, but that day it's not working. So you change your strategy according to what's presented before you. I think in the experience I've had in startups, that translates to being very agile or being very willing to pivot an idea and not again being too like attached to a solution you might have spent a lot of time working on. And that sometimes allows you to kill an idea and in favor of a better one. Which, like, I didn't think was a big issue, but I realized some that over time I've met colleagues who might find that a bit more difficult. And then I realized, oh, why do I feel this way? Because, you know, like in a sport, it's about whatever allows you to to win, right? So you may adjust your strategy, even though it may not be your most comfortable tactic for the outcome you desire. And I think that subconsciously I apply that at at work, deliver, yeah, under pressure. So, yeah, I think this,
0: this, it actually contrasts a bit with, with with national service or the military in
2: general. Yeah, I was just about to say that, you know, yeah. a lot of my girlfriends always wonder, or like I, I heard this quite commonly among my batch mates when I went to university because naturally they were three years older than me. And they would always say that, you know, I felt they would always like give this caveat, oh, give me some time, my brain's still warming up, I haven't really used it for the past two years.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> or you feel that way because you're not engaging in it academically. But what I found when I did a uh, project work with them was that they're much better at decision-making than me fresh out of junior college and I, I, I don't know I can't put it and I can't distill it into clear reasons why because obviously I did not do, do national service but I feel that's everything in wisdom is in relative to like life experiences that you've had and I feel that oh I think there's something to do with learning how to handle <laughs> you know more dangerous situations that requires you to think about what really matters and in what sequence mm. and like what to address first so yeah I definitely saw that translate into you know being unafraid to make a decision and lead because you know things
1: can get done so yeah that's interesting maybe Thomas can you shed some light on that like link it up for us I think
0: you know on the surface there are a lot of differences between like a, a military life which is full of, of regimentation and very detailed planning and perhaps like the kind of life that you, you described you had in, in university but on, on the other hand, one of the things that you learn in the military as well is that you, you plan for something, but you don't expect that things will go to plan. So I think perhaps what you saw from, from your peers was probably that ability to kind of separate their expectations. So on, on the one hand, they, they plan and, and they plan perhaps down to like quite a fine level of detail, but also once they see that things aren't going according to that plan, they're able to kind of pivot and extract out the important bits of what's happening and and try and formulate a plan, a new plan on the go.
2: Yeah, that makes much sense. I think especially uh, if you came from like the junior college route, everything in your university or like your education experience was very, very, well, I describe predictable, like you take. Took the subject, you knew, know why you got a grade. Like, especially in the Singaporean education system, everything is rubric style. If you got an A for GP, maybe a bit broken down, or like for English, broken down to grammatical mistakes as compared to use of language. And there would be like a rubric. So, what what demarcates an A versus a B and the number of errors and how it relates to each, like, I guess, like section. and the weightage of each section and how it affects the overall grade. And I think life is not really very much like that. Not, you know, it can't be broken down entirely until into clear rubrics. And yeah, I think that the aspect of life experience definitely shapes your psyche to know that that's how it will play out and be to be okay with it. Because I would find that sometimes it will be a bit harder for people to let go of that or to accept that it's just so ambiguous. Yeah, so, so I think...
0: Perhaps what, like what I'm hearing is that as you're transiting out from, from military life and back into civilian life, the most important thing to remember is that they are different lives and they, they are different in, in so many ways. And, you know, going back to what you were saying at the start where you, you knew what you didn't want to do, but you didn't necessarily know what you did want to do is again a, a way which your life and, and a military life is very different because I would say in a military life, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite. There is one thing you know you want to achieve, which is mission success, and you don't want anything else. That there's many ways that it could fail. You don't want any of those. So transiting out of that mindset is probably something that is quite important to be sensitive about.
2: Yeah, I might add something there. I think I don't know if it's the case now as it was before, but I used to feel this like great pressure, as though I was I'm, I was making this what's the word for it, like all or nothing decision. That like what I chose. Um, to study whether that was my degree or what major to choose had like an outsized impact on um, my options later on in life and and I feel that the world or I know that the world is changing so quickly and so much more today and the incidence of you know what I would describe as ongoing learning whether you're doing some uh, little module on Coursera or uh taking like an open university course on Python to pivot to a different area, it's much more accepted or normalized now, such that I had friends who studied political science who then went on to be strategy managers. And political science as a degree is a lot more like liberal arts. You don't do that as much like statistics, but you just picked it up along the way and pivoted to something else. So I think this notion that your job sets or what you can do is entirely limited to what you study it's not so much the case I feel that when a person hires you they hire you not just for the knowledge you have but also the inclination or the skill sets the way you think which is I guess a lot more has a lot more potential than the body of knowledge that you once collected yeah
1: yeah I think a lot of times um, in national service that two years feels or um like forever for so many um, of my friends that I have the opportunity to speak to and and they're like, oh, it's it's two years until I get to live my life. But what I'm hearing from our conversations is that there actually are a lot of transferable skills, right? That at that moment you might not realize but would come to fruition or, or come to practice when you are in the right opportunities to flex those kind of muscles. Yeah, I was this question is maybe for for Thomas. If you have any experiences in or any stories in DNS that I think carried you through or helped you learn um, lessons that maybe you wouldn't otherwise have learned? I think
0: it's not so much a story, I guess, but one of the things that has struck me is understanding the difference between the intention behind something and the execution of it. So these are two separate things. The intention is Kind of like the outcome, and the execution is, is how you get to that outcome. And there are many ways to execute a, a particular plan to arrive at the same outcome, right? But no single way is necessarily better than another way, as long as you understand the outcome. I think that's the most important thing because then, in a sense, it's less relevant how you choose to execute it. So, so I think for me, that's something that's remained relevant, you know, af- after coming out from from military life. That's that's just one example.
1: Got it. On the topic of plans and outcomes, Diane, I've heard that you you had a pretty interesting inter- internship story. <laughs> so maybe I can just talk about
2: internships broadly. So as part of like uh, university and school that I went to, uh, you had to do, it was mandatory for you to do at least a internship prior to graduating. To, to make it practical, like accumulation of, you know, all that you learn in school, how do you like translate it as part of, you know, workplace that you might go into or start yourself and uh, during that time you know again because I was a bit more um, chill or relaxed or open about these things I I wasn't the best planner in like securing or networking to all the you know big name companies I just would go and like hear a little bit about it but never really felt like at that point of time like qualified enough like you know like The like a certain very uh, switched on cohort of my peers who were like network and already were secure like two or three nine every summer. I was just like, Oh, see what comes by. And I was like, What's interesting when I was going to graduate again? Because I was a bit more like a marauder in trying to discover what I wanted to do. I think my parents are feeling a bit more like anxious that I hadn't like, like lined up like tens of thousands of like, applications and I hadn't had an interview plan. I was I was still figuring out in my like final year what I wanted to apply for. And <laughs> luckily enough, uh, I had gotten a contact of someone who was working at Uber at the time. And I, I wrote in and basically said that you know I had some startup experience. I could hit the ground running and that I'll be happy to to help out and i think at that point of time because they were growing so quickly they just needed more hands on deck and so they replied me saying hey cool when can you start and that's the story of how i you know kind of like through just luck and good timing managed to get an internship i think thereafter the process got a lot more like rigorous and it was crazy times it was very exciting i think on my first day of of interning, everyone had to pull their weight. I was I was tasked to go to a driver road show where I had to encourage like people to drive for Uber, whether or not it was mothers or ex-taxi drivers. I had to answer that question, so I didn't know everything about it. So I quickly learned how to explain incentives and the value of you know flexible work. This was prior to the I think, private, the PDVL, Private Driver's Vocational License, the equivalent of a taxi driver license for the ride-sharing industry. So anyone who had a car could basically register as long as they had a license and drove for more than a certain amount of time uh, to drive for Uber. So yeah, did that along with a lot of other things above and beyond my traditional internship role. I think the craziest story was how there was a roadshow that we had to do to rent out the cars from our rental car company called Lion City Rentals and as part of the road show we needed to drive in our vessels, our Honda vessels into Bisha Junction 8 and they needed someone to do it and so I think less than two months into my internship, not that many of them had driver's license that were relevant in Singapore and so they asked me to drive it in at midnight so there I was driving in a Honda vessel into the middle of Junction 8 just outside the MRT, things that I never thought I will do. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if that answers the wild or interesting stories from the internships that you wrote for Steph.
1: But yeah. No, absolutely. I think we were just listening so intently because your <laughs> your internship experiences is way more colorful than I have ever experienced. But I think what I see is that you you took the initiative and there's openness when it comes to whatever work that you were tasked to do in your internship but also i i recognize that as you mentioned it was also about timing and about chance how how then did you find your education in university helped with like all these real life work experiences because i i assumed that learning in the classroom and translating that whatever learnings that you have experienced into driving a car into <laughs> Junction 8. Um, yeah, like, the question is, like, how did your education translate and, and what was useful for you?
2: In my internship at Uber, one of the things that I was looking at was partnerships and ways that I could partner with, like, other brands to grow our pool of riders and uh, for them to take first trips and thereafter to, to continue taking trips. And one of the partnerships that had come was this insurance platform that was looking for a rewards partner. So I think this insurance company was looking at ways to keep their insured base more healthy because as you would imagine, if you're healthier, then you have a less likelihood of obviously uh, making claims. So it was in their long-term interest to incentivize healthy behaviors and with you know Fitbits and I guess healthcare trackers, that was very doable uh, to measure, to benchmark and to reward on a weekly basis. And one of, and as part of the reward system, they wanted to purchase a large amount of coupons, uh, from us at Uber, and they I think they had asked for a discount of sorts on the purchased amount. So my boss at that time knew that I studied economics and asked me for to calculate, you know, what would be a comfortable amount of discount to give, and what would that translate to for the bottom line for us. And I think for the fun of it, because that was the semester that I was taking this course, I was like, "Ooh, let me use what I learned in school to do a module." I mean, to do a simulation of the profitability of this partnership given different inputs of discounts. And so I ran, a, I created a model where there was different assumptions, like what would be the rate in which um, their purchase of coupons will us would grow on a monthly basis, and what should be the discounted amount, and how much would it translate to us. Um, in terms of redeemed coupons and what would that mean for like top line revenue and bottom line profitability. Yeah. And so I I did that and I think it was just like exciting for me to realize that 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 this like um, Cause of mine would have real life aspects, and then I made it pretty. I made it colorful, so if it was profitable turn green. And then if you up, press the button up and down, to change the rate of growth, you know it will be more green or less green. And I think like a lot of my teammates at that point of time were. I was in the marketing team, and I think they were a lot more like brand driven. And so because most of my bosses were like very ex consultants or bankers, they were a lot more numerate, uh, as you would imagine for a business that requires. Um, yeah, planning and management PL, They they were quite happy with that. In fact, I think they were very excited by it, and I think that scored me a chance to pitch that to my GM at the time. And I think that that was the thing that got me hired later on, because like within the hiring process of you know these normal tech companies, there is a technical round where they assess your ability to think through a problem derive what is it you're really solving and propose a solution yeah and I think in a roundabout way that was my boss is actually testing me on my internship but I just was like oh so fun <laughs> let's try it let's apply what we're doing at, at school and it turned out to be it turned out to be good so yeah I was, I was a bit lucky a bit of timing and yeah I was it was quite scary to have to present that in um, the same day to or like the day after to my GM. But yeah, that was a way that school translated and actually very practically helped me um, score a job, well, my first job, which I didn't know I was being interviewed for. <laughs> I was just doing what was asked of me. So I had a good boss who like set me up for success, I would suppose. He gave me the opportunity and the time to, to present that to my leader. So I would definitely acknowledge that.
1: Speaking of planning... Last question, Diane, before we let you go. Mm -hmm. On hindsight now, is there anything you would have changed in your years in university, the way you would have planned? Or is there any, like, would you still have made the same choices you made back then? I think, like,
2: it's more of one of the mindset changes I would have. I think I was really afraid of, like, trying something and not doing it well. So that was a huge barrier for me not to do things. Even though like I was quite chill about a lot of things. But I remembered feeling like very afraid to apply for different things because I just I just wouldn't I was afraid of trying to do it but not getting it. It was really I mean it's not really stupid, but it's very simple. But I do think that one was that, and two was actually asking for advice or help. I think there's lots to learn by asking questions. And I think when I was in like when I was in this mode, when I wasn't sure, I felt a lot of pressure that it was not very well received to not know what you were doing because either you were wasting time or that like you were lost and that was like frowned upon like all this person's like very lost so not being very productive or like not breaking the most. And so like, I think there was a lot of a need for everybody to have an answer. Even if that answer didn't really feel authentic to you, to have an answer, doesn't make sense. And people weren't comfortable saying that I'm not sure and I'm okay with figuring it out because it just seems like, huh? <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> and mm. I, I I don't know. I feel that perhaps in some sense, I, I didn't really feel that that was very good for myself either. And I wish that I was more comfortable in just saying that I was okay with figuring it out because then it would la- allow me to, just through the process of being authentic, to be connected with people who might either one, be able to give me advice or two, would point me in the direction of people who had interests similar to my own or what I was thinking about. Yeah, I think it did happen because there were like very blunt and kind people who basically sat me down and said, it sounds as though, like they called my bluff basically. It was very painful at the time to be called (laughs) a bluff for something that you thought you were interested in, but actually you weren't. You were just like repeating that to yourself that it was the right thing to say. And uh, it is kind of a gift for people to give you such like, <laughs> like honest, like a truck kind of feedback. Yeah. But uh, I'm very grateful to that to that man I met at some random Chinese New Year who was like, "No, <laughs> you don't really sound so. You're very interested in economics. Why are you studying economics again?" That was very funny, and I tried to convince him otherwise, but he was very, very unconvinced. As an ec- economist himself. So I was like, oh sounds <laughs> funny. But hey, look where I'm now Nothing, um, doing something not really related to economics. I guess data-driven marketing, in a sense, has some overlaps in terms of like the measurement part and attribution part and experimentation part. But that could be easily linked to like experimentation science rather than the hardcore study of economics, per se. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That,
1: that what you just mentioned, I think learning how to take criticism, I think that in itself is a whole other podcast, you know? Hard truths, Yeah, truth hard
2: That hurt, man, that hurt, but you know. <laughs> there's no
0: difficulty in national service on taking criticism, by the
2: way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's an option to like reject that, you just... <laughs>
1: Yeah, yes. that sounds like there's some story there with Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. Just because you guys can't see it, but um, he he has a uh, widened eyes. And, um <laughs> his his mustache m- moved a little when we we're talking <laughs> about that. <laughs> Do we have
2: time to 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 add this, this story? Um, we'll leave it to the next
1: podcast uh, as a as yeah to be continued i dang think dang. this is to be continued <laughs> we're given the time sign. but thank you so much diane i think what we learned from this podcast is that honestly you, you you can start planning for something but one of the greatest things that i personally have learned and thomas you can share your learning as well but is really just take initiative and 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 iterate as you go that's what i learned how about you
0: no plan survives first contact with the enemy.
1: Philosophy major. Sorry, what? <laughs> I was going to ask what
2: does that mean. I feel like some people in our podcast may not know what that means. Thanks, guys. Thanks, then. Enjoyed it. It was a good time. Thank you
0: for coming on the show. You may kindly fall out.
1: All right.
0: <laughs> okay, gentlemen. Thank you for another one times good one. You can follow us at Singlife on Instagram and feel free to reach me at gentlemen at singlife.com. That's golf echo november November Echo Romeo Mike Alpha November at singlife.com. See you in
1: the next one guys.